All right, tremendous music. We're ready for some preaching. Brother Pastor Hanson, why don't you come on up? Pastor's in Minnesota, so he's here for the weather, okay? Get away from that cold weather. Did a phenomenal job with our uh, singles retreat, and I'm glad he was able to stay over and be with us this morning, and so we're glad to have him. So Pastor Hanson, why don't you come? What an honor it is to be with you here this morning. And I want to say thank you, Pastor, for the great privilege of being able to come and preach the singles retreat and then to be here this morning. And uh, what beautiful uh, uh, scenery you have here in California. If I were to start describing the scenery of Minnesota, we would begin with white uh, snow and we would talk about the uh, snow banks and the drifts and so on and so forth and how much snow we have but what a beautiful place you have here and uh, my heart has been blessed and stirred by the testimony of the young people what a joy it has been to get to know a few of your young adults and uh, thank you so much for moms and dads for sending them to that retreat and what a great time we had and so much organization and so much went into that uh, retreat and so I want to say thank you for sending your kids and boy uh, you have some wonderful young people and uh, what a joy it is to be here this morning with you. <clears throat> I feel like I'm speaking to uh, as Paul spoke to the church of Rome. I feel like I'm speaking to uh, the church at Rome. You say how is that? Paul said as he began to write there in Romans chapter 1 and verse 8 or 9, he said, I thank my God for you because your faith has been spoken of around the world. And what a joy it is to know this church. You have not only impacted your community, but you've also impacted communities around this world. And I know you know that, but I just want to say God bless you for your faith in God. God bless you for your love to the Lord and what he has done through this church. I heard of this church when I was assistant pastor there in Bourbonnais under Pastor Angel. He talked about uh, one, of their, uh, one of the bus kids that would come to the church and uh, ride the buses and uh, went to Bible college and married a, a man by the name of uh, Brother Esposito and he would talk about this church and what a joy. It is to now be able to see the church and your faithfulness to the Lord. We're going to be in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 and verse 35. Acts chapter 8 and verse 35. Thank you, Pastor Myers, for this opportunity to preach this morning. We're going to read there in verse 35. It says, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him, and when... They were come up out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Dearly Father, I pray that you would now focus our attention on the scripture that we have just read. Dear God, I pray that you would have the loudest voice in the auditorium. 
I pray, dear God, that you would be the focal point of our focus in the next several minutes as we look to the Word of God to speak to us. God, uh, there are many decisions that you know that need to be made uh, this morning. Some, Lord, uh, may need to accept you as their Savior. Others, Lord, may need to follow you in believer's baptism. Others, dear God, need to join the church. And some, Lord, need to make a, a decision to grow spiritually in you. And so, dear God, you know all the different fronts that you are working on this morning. And I pray that you be honored and glorified as we respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, Philip was a great evangelist in his day. He preached the word of God. People were getting saved. As a matter of fact, he was holding a, a citywide revival when the Spirit of God came to him and told him to go out into the wilderness. God had blessed him. People were getting saved. Revival was breaking out. Now, that's an exciting place to be in. When the fire of God has come and stirred the hearts of God's people, the lost are getting saved, people are accepting Christ, and, and souls are being baptized and growing in the Lord. That is exciting to see take place. As you have seen right here in this area, God has blessed. Well, Philip was in an exciting revival there in that city. And the Spirit of God said, Philip, I don't want you to stay here. I want you to go into the wilderness, and I want you to bring the gospel into the wilderness. And you know what's amazing about Philip? He didn't question. He didn't say, time out, Lord. Hold on, don't you understand? There's a great revival going on here. I'm excited about seeing you save another soul. Philip didn't do that. Instead, he said, Lord, I'm gonna follow your command. And he went running into the wilderness. And as, as he's in the wilderness, the Bible says, he looked up on the horizon and he saw a chariot going across the horizon and their path intersected. Isn't it amazing? Divine appointments take place when God is involved. Thank the Lord the chariot came across his path and uh, Philip said, hey, uh, I have something I want to share with you. The Bible says the Spirit of God told him to join himself to the chariot and so he did and he, as he joined himself to the chariot, the man there in the chariot was reading the word of God. It's amazing what God is doing in people's lives. If we will just go ahead and share the gospel, they'll say, you know, I was just thinking about that the other day. Well, that's what Philip did. He joined himself to that chariot, and the Bible says that the man heard the gospel. I love this in verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth. Philip had a message. And Philip preached to him Jesus Christ. And the man said, that is truth, and I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. The Ethiopian eunuch got saved. But I don't want to stop there. I want to go to the next verse. Look at this. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. Take your pen, I want you to underline these next few words. What doth hinder me to be baptized? What doth hinder me? I want you to circle those words or underline those words. What doth hinder me? The Ethiopian eunuch was excited about getting saved. Do you remember the moment when you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart? 
Do you remember the joy? The Bible talks about that in verse 39. There was great joy. Philip left the presence of the Ethiopian eunuch. He was so excited about what had taken place that an individual had accepted Christ as a Savior. But the Ethiopian eunuch said, this isn't it. There's got to be something more. There's got to be another step here. Yes, salvation is finished. Yes, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. My pathway to heaven is sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no way I'm going to be able to lose that. But he said there's got to be something more, something that I can do for the Lord. There's got to be just a little bit more involvement here. And so he asked Philip, what doth hinder me to take this next step? What doth hinder me to take this next step? The Ethiopian eunuch understood that salvation was accepting Christ as his Savior. But there was more to the Christian life than just being saved. And he wanted to take that next step. And the next step was baptism. And he said to Philip, the preacher, he said, what's stopping me from taking that next step? I want to run my race that God has given me. I want to go forward for the cause of Christ. I want to advance the cause of Christ in my own life. Now, in our church, we have uh, the privilege of having uh, many, many Ethiopian folks. We have about uh, 50 to 60 Ethiopian uh, folks in our services and in our church. And what a joy it is to have them from the children uh, to teenagers uh, to young adults. What a blessing it is uh, to have the Ethiopian uh, community there in our church. But the Ethiopian, my Ethiopian brothers, they said, Pastor... History in our country tells us that this Ethiopian eunuch came back to Ethiopia and started over 500 churches in our country. Hey, I like that. Somebody got fired up for God. Amen. Somebody said there's something more than just accepting Jesus as my Savior. Hey, I want to do something for God. And the Ethiopian eunuch, he went home and he started some churches or he did something for God. And he was excited to take the next step. So the question resounded in his heart. What doth hinder me? What's stopping me? And I believe that same question should uh, come from our hearts this morning as well. What doth hinder me, God? I know that I haven't reached my full potential for Christ. If we think we have, then we have another thing coming, right? Huh? We haven't reached our full potential. So the Ethiopian eunuch, he said, there's something more. And I believe we ought to ask the same question, what's stopping me? from advancing uh, God's will in my life? What is stopping me uh, from spreading the gospel like Jesus Christ wants me to? Oh, I believe that God sees our full potential. He looks at us and he says, I see that you've accepted Christ as your Savior. I see that you've been baptized. And let me say this. If you haven't been baptized, you've accepted Christ as your Savior, but you haven't been baptized your next step is baptism. Amen. Salvation, baptism. But maybe today you're sitting here and saying, well, I've been saved, check. I've been baptized, check. I think I just keep on coming and just occupying this chair. 
Oh, no. There's something far better. Hey, the Christian life has so much more joy than just occupying 18 inches of chair space this morning. Amen. Hey, there's some wonderful things that you're able to enjoy in Christ. And so God looks down from heaven and he sees individuals getting saved. He sees them getting baptized. He looked at Peter and he said, Peter, there's something more for you. Peter said, hold on. Don't you understand, Lord, I'm following you. He said, oh, yeah, you haven't seen the half of what I'm going to do with you, though, someday, Peter. He, did, he couldn't see Pentecost. He couldn't see that great crowd of people getting saved, getting baptized and growing in the Lord. I think of Gideon. Gideon is down underneath or, or threshing some wheat. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Gideon, the mighty man of valor. He says, who are you talking to? I'm not mighty. Who are you speaking to, angel? And God said, hey, Gideon, I see something in you that you can't see. And you won't see until you say, what doth hinder me? What's stopping me from taking the next uh, 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 measure to advance the kingdom of Christ? I think of Moses. Moses was on the backside of the wilderness. He's watching sheep. He said, hold on. You're talking about the same one that split the Red Sea? Yeah, the same one that split the Red Sea. You're talking about the same one that struck the waters of Mara and they became sweet? Yeah, I'm talking about that one. You're talking about the same one where manna came down from heaven? Yeah, Moses, Moses, God saw him in the backside of the wilderness and said, Moses, I have a mission for you. Moses couldn't believe if you would have told him what God was going to do with him, he would have never believed you. But God had some great things planned for Moses. I think of David as he's there with the slingshot, plunking away, right? He's throwing those stones across the pasture with a slingshot, fighting the bear, fighting the lions. God said, look at that young lad. I've got something wonderful for him. Hey, David, why don't you come on in to your dad's house? Samuel's there with his horn of oil and begins to anoint David with that oil. And God said, I see a king there. Hey, Jesse, you might see a shepherd boy, but I see a great king of Israel, the psalmist. I see him there in the pasture. I've got something special for that young man. And the Bible says that God used him in a great way to serve his generation. Oh, our potential, your potential is not up to you. It's up to God. But your next step is up to you. Your potential is up to God. Your next step is up to you. And let me say this, God sees potential in every individual here this morning. Every individual, oh, what a blessing. You might look in the mirror and say, oh, I don't see anything that I can do. And God says, hold on, hold on. Time out. Let me intervene. The grace of God can bring you to measures that you never dreamt you would be. Huh? Oh, thank the Lord for the wonderful people that God uses. Before service, I was shaking a few hands and I saw the deaf folks over there. Huh? Wonderful folks. You see, God, uh, God uh, sees potential in everyone and everywhere. And what a joy it is to be able to say, Dear God, what doth hinder me? What's stopping me? 
What's stopping me from advancing your cause in my life? I believe there's a few things that can stop us. Let me go through them with you here this morning. Number one, I believe past hurts. Past hurts can hinder an individual from advancing the cause of God in their life. When an individual gets saved, it does not remove all of their hurts of the past. But rather... When I get saved, I know that I'm on my way to heaven and someday I'll be able to see God face to face and what a blessing that is and I don't have to spend one second in hell. Thank God for that. But as far as the Christian life is concerned, when I get saved, past hurts don't erase themselves. They don't all of a sudden disappear. But rather, I must go back and I must deal with those things. It's called reconciliation, restoration to those things that had taken place in my lost years. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 says, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. The word ministry means to serve the servant, the aid, the help, if you will, please. Of reconciliation means restoration. It means to make light. And sometimes when I am lost, I begin to do and get involved in different things. And events take place. And I begin to carry burdens around. huh? And so I come to Christ with all these past things in my life. And I accept Christ as my Savior, the Spirit of God, uh, comes within me. I've got the joy of the Lord in my heart. But then all of a sudden, three months later, I remember different things from the past and it seems like they all come piling up. Mind if I'm using these? All right. The burdens of the past, the hurts of the past, right? And I've got to, rem I got to realize that God has given us a ministry of reconciliation. So how's that? That's where God convicts you of something and you go back to the individual or you go back to the circumstance and you say, dear God, I wronged an individual there or I was wrong against you for doing that in my life. Dear God, would you please forgive me? Dear God, I'm sorry that I, I said this and I'm sorry that I did this to this individual. Lord, would you please cleanse me of that? And you go back to different situations and circumstances and you ask God to forgive you for those different things that were hindrances before you got saved. And it's the ministry, it's the aid, it's the servant of reconciliation. What happens in life is that people's hurt, people hurt us and we take up offense. And when we get saved, we think they automatically go away. But they don't. And so I must go back to those situations and say, dear God, I forgive this individual. And dear God, this circumstance that I went through, dear God, I give it to you. I'm no longer going to hold a grudge in my heart. I'm no longer going to be bitter against that individual because bitterness always stops us from advancing the cause of Christ in our lives I think of an individual, Jephthah. God said, Jephthah, I want you to lead my great army 
into battle. And I want you to conquer the enemy. And Jephthah did. He was victorious in some battles. But God had so much more for Jephthah. But as you read about his life, he was a son. The Bible says he was a son of a harlot. And then his father and his mother began to have more children. But he was not part of that Family And so uh, the siblings, they're his half-brothers and half brothers and his half-sisters, said, we don't want you around here. Get out of here. And so Jephthah carried that insecurity in his life until he was captain of the army there in Israel. And from his insecurity, watch this, from his insecurity, he made a foolish vow to God. And it crippled his effectiveness for God. Jephthah carried that insecurity. You say, Brother Hanson, what doth hinder me? I got saved. I got baptized. I want to go full bore for the Lord. Let me ask you, are there some things in the past that you've not dealt with? Are there some bitternesses against your dad, your mom, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle that are holding you back? Hey, cut the cords of bitterness and go on for Jesus Christ. Amen. There's so much more to do for the Lord. What doth hinder you? I was sitting with a man. He had been coming to church for quite some time and I was sitting at the kitchen table with him. And I said, sir, do you understand the gospel? He said, yes, I do. I said, do you see that you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? He said, yes. I said, would you like to accept Christ? He said, no. Doesn't quite add up. So I backed up a little bit and started going through it again. I said, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? He said, no, I wouldn't. I said, why wouldn't you like to accept Christ? He said, because when I was growing up, my dad believed in the same stuff. And he would get drunk and he would preach the gospel to me. And he'd show me these same verses and then he would beat me. You see, he held on to that and it prevented him from accepting Christ as a savior. I said, sir, you've got to let that go. You can't allow someone's actions towards you to stop you in your full potential for God. Let me say number two, a besetting sin. Sin always stifles the believer's full potential. Each of us have certain types of sins that like to beset us. And if we're not careful, we'll keep them as pet sins. And so... The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, the Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside, here it is, every sin and weight which does so easily beset us. He said you've got to put aside those besetting sins. You've got to put aside those weights that are, are like are great big weights around our ankles and we can't run the race that God has for us. I got to cut loose from that. And I don't know what it is in your life and, and many times we don't know each other's besetting sins, but God does and God wants to cut you free from them. He was victorious over sin, death in the grave, but he was victorious over sin and he comes and he says, can I cut you free from that? 
I want to free you from the bondage of sin. Oh, what a joy it is to be able to have a, a life that you're able to walk with God and be free from that stronghold of sin. Let us lay aside every sin and the weight that does so easily beset us. Boy, when a Christian doesn't set aside that besetting sin, what happens is they become cyclical in their Christianity, not in their salvation, but in their Christianity. They engage in the besetting sin. They be, then they fall under conviction. And then you go and you get it right with God. You confess it. Oh, God, I'm so sorry for this. And then uh, you have a season of success, and then you plunge right back into the sin. It's besetting. Uh, you got to go to the Lord and say, Dear God, uh, I'm done. I'm done. I give it to you. You take it, Lord. Uh, and you free me from this. Oh, what doth hinder me? Uh, let me say number three. Uh, inconsistent behavior. Inconsistent behavior. Consistency is the key to longevity. Longevity. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what all of us desire to hear from the Lord. But consistency is the key to longevity. Longevity allows for maturity. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. Go forward for the cause of Christ. Be consistent, steadfast, not in one day and out the next day. Reading your Bible one day and then forgetting to read your Bible the next day and in church one week and out of church the next week. Just steadfast, always doing that which is right. What a blessing it is to have consistent individuals. When I was an assistant, there was a gentleman that was involved in the bus ministry. He was in, in an accident that caused a sheet of steel to slide off a semi-truck and it cut his four fingers off his hand and cut off his one leg. And that man, you talk about a faithful individual. He would come to church every Sunday morning and he would climb on those buses and he would fire up those buses. It's just an incredible man. He, he, would, he would pull engines out of buses with one hand and a thumb, amen, and one leg. He'd get up there and he'd be pulling the engines out of the buses. He would drop transmissions, but he would get up there and he would uh, sit on the seat. And sometimes in Illinois, it gets real cold as well, sub-temperature. And he would crank those buses and he would put his foot on that gas pedal and he would uh, crank that thing and pump a little bit and hold it down, a diesel, blah, 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 and the smoke would come out the back of the bus. Huh? He did it for over 36 years. Faithful, always there. Hey, be a church member that your pastor can count on. Amen. A faithful individual. What doth hinder me? I'll tell you what will hinder you is inconsistency. I'm fire for God. Woo, the world is getting saved. I don't even feel like I'm saved today. It's a horrible day. The sun's not even coming up. Well, if you open the blinds, you'd see it is already up, huh? Up and down, up and down, up and down. Hey, consistency in our walk with God produces longevity. <laughs> I think of a man by the name of Peter. Peter, what's your problem? Well, he said, John chapter 13, verse 37. 
I will lie, lay down my life for you, God. Jesus, why won't you let me go with you? I'm ready to die. Even now, I'm ready to die. Huh? Have you been around those type of people? I'm all in, all in. Ten minutes after the conversation, I don't, don't count me in. I don't think I want to do that. Huh? Peter was all in a few hours later. Where's Peter? I don't know. He's hiding somewhere. I don't even know the man. Who are you talking about? Jesus? Never heard of the name. Huh? I've never seen him. Peter denies him three times. What was he? He was a roller coaster of spirituality. And then uh, Jesus came to him on the shore of Galilee. He said, Peter, Peter, lovest thou me? Peter had a meeting with Jesus and has straightened it out. You with me this morning? What stops me from reaching my full potential inconsistency? Let me say lastly here, what doth hinder me? Here it is, a false profession of Jesus Christ. A false profession of Jesus. Oh, an individual wants to serve God. An individual wants to do great things for the cause of Christ. But if they have a profession of faith where they know they never meant it, they did it because others uh, were praying the prayer or they're just, ha they have a facade of spirituality, but deep down in their heart, they know they've never accepted Christ as their Savior. They will not be able to advance spiritually because they're not born again. They're lost. I had an individual come to my office. He said, Pastor, I've been going through some things and I was counseling he and his wife. And the Sunday evening we met and he said, you know, Pastor, you came to my house a few years ago and you asked us, or we went through the plan of salvation and then you asked us, do you see that you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? My wife just got up and said, yes, that's what we need to do, hon. We need to do that. He said, well, why don't we think about it? She said, no, that's what we need to do. And they got down on their knees, Catholics folk, Catholic folks, got down on their knees and they asked Jesus Christ to come into their heart. Well, she was ready and she accepted Christ as her Savior. But he said, Pastor, I never really meant it. I just followed my wife. And now here we are several years later. And he said, I've just been faking the whole thing. And then he began to sob. And he slipped out of the chair and just fell on his face in my office. And I said, brother, you know what to do. Why don't you go ahead and do it? Why don't you go ahead and accept Christ? And he began to pour out his heart to the Lord. Lord, I am sorry. I have sinned against you. Please come into my heart. Oh, what a difference it made when there's a true conversion. You see, Jesus Christ had 12 disciples, but there was a Judas. One for 12. How can that be so? Didn't Jesus know? Oh, Jesus knew. But Jesus will never force himself on you. Jesus presents himself to you, but you must come to him and say, I accept him, not for my mom, not for my dad, not for my pastor, not for the, the soul in her that is speaking to me. I need it myself, dear God. Save me from my sins. You might say, Pastor, or Pastor Hanson, it seems like I just 
I, I keep on doing the same thing over and I never advance spiritually. Let me ask you, where's your salvation? What's your salvation? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Say, why would I need to do that? Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The punishment of sin is death. You say, well, I haven't done that kind of sin. Let me say this. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters, whoa, 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 time out. I've never done any of those, right? You with me this morning? I've never done any of those, but I'm not quite done with the list yet. It says, and all liars. That nailed me right here. Huh? I've told a lie before. All liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth the fire and brimstone, which is the second death. My sin prevents me from entering into heaven because there's no sin in heaven. And I need someone to wash my sins away. And the only sacrifice that was given for mankind was the blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ waits for you to come to Calvary and accept him as your Savior. I had a man in my office a few, uh, a couple of years ago. He said, Pastor, I get in my car and all I can think of is an accident. He said, I know I'm on my way to hell. I can't hardly even drive to work. I get out of my car and I go to work and I dread getting back in the car and driving home. And he, he, he sat there and he just was trembling. I said, brother, let's get it settled. And let me say this morning, if you have doubt in your heart, if you have question about your salvation, don't go another day uh, doubting uh, whether you're going to go to heaven or whether you're going to spend eternity in hell. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He'll save you from your sins. You'll have the greatest uh, joy in your heart from all your sins being washed away. And Jesus, there's waiting for you. Come, come, why don't you accept me as your Savior? This morning there's some in God's house that are not saved. There's some uh, maybe this morning that have had a false profession and only you know about it. The day will come when all know about it because you won't be in heaven. There's some here this morning uh, that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and you need to take the next step and get baptized. What a beautiful baptistry that is waiting for you. What doth hinder you? There's some here this morning that have been saved, you've been baptized, and you've just been coming to church, but God has so much more for you. Let me tell you this, your pastor and your Sunday school teachers and the, and the, the, the men and the ladies of this church, they're dreaming for you. They can see the potential, and here you are, been saved, you've been baptized, and they're saying, hey, why don't you, why don't you surrender all to the Lord? Why don't you let God uh, do the work that he, that, that he desires to do in your life? Why don't you go ahead and be consistent? Why don't you get rid of that sin uh, so that you can advance the cause of Christ in your life? Let me ask you this morning, what doth hinder you from accepting Christ? What doth hinder you from getting baptized, what doth hinder you for selling out for God? 
and saying, God, I'm all in. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As pastor comes, what is the Lord doing in your heart this morning? Tremendous message and truth for us this morning. Let me say this. He asked the question. Maybe you're here this morning and what's hindering you is you don't know Jesus Christ. You've never been saved. Oh, we can take care of that today. If you're here this morning and with nobody looking around, with all of our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you would say, Pastor, that's me. I am not 100% for sure that if I were to die today, I'd go to heaven. But Pastor, I want to get that taken care of. Would you pray for me with nobody looking around? Would you just raise your hand this morning and I'll see that and I'll pray for you. Anybody like that at all? Let's not wait for something like that. Let's stand this morning. What's keeping you from going forward for God? What's keeping you from being committed and consistent in your Christian life? By the way, God's, God pointed it out to you if there's something. Piano's going to play. If God spoke to you, why don't you come to this altar and do some business with God?